stargazers, welcome to 7th House Astrology, where I take an aspect, a planet, or even a topic, and I investigate it with the lens of Sinistry Astrology. I am your host, Sandra Misek, and I am so glad that you guys have joined me here today on my podcast. So last week, I kind of felt like I lost a couple of you stargazers, I'm, I'm going to be honest, and I will actually admit to why. While exploring the generations and what each generation needed sinistry-wise or in relationships-wise, I do quite understand that last week's episode along with the week before may have been just slightly intense when it came to the topic, partially because I was blending in two different branches of astrology. There was uh, generational astrology and then sinistry astrology. So this week I thought I'd give you another great little deal, and that is another topic for this week. It's not as whole and as meaty as last week's topic, or actually I should say the last two weeks' topic, but it does kind of, it is kind of special in its own way, in its own right, and it's just perfectly just plain old sinistry astrology, no other branches of astrology added into it, which is always quite nice and kind of makes for things to be a little less complicated. Also, tonight's episode is going to be a rather special episode in the regard that it's going to be our first sex episode. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're like, Sandra, Really, this is a, a astrology podcast. You really have to get into sex. And my answer is, yes, absolutely. The reason for why is that with sinistry astrology, many times sinistry astrology is used to gauge how two people get along romantically. And whether we want to admit it or not, I mean, sometimes I have been reluctant to admit to this fact. But whether we want to admit it or not, I feel that Sam Rockwell had a great point. Um, I did mention this point within Am I Marriage Material in that episode, which is sometimes sex is necessary in a relationship. It's a, it's necessary to explore because it's an equal contributor to a long lasting successful relationship. In fact, the usual underpinnings of fidelity communication, getting along with one another, having respect for each other as well, too. Sometimes that underpinning does rely on sexuality and how that's expressed, how healthy it is in the relationship, how well it's expressed, and if it is expressed at some points in some junctures or if it's kind of withheld. So, yes, I do find that it is Sex, you know, in an episode is definitely important, and I do hope to uncover a couple of different other sexual topics for 7th House Astrology. But for tonight, my topic is a question that I've had since 2013, and here it goes. Is it okay to have sex after the third date, and is this theory of sex after the third date a new official dating rule? Well, as for the new official dating rule, I am going to say before I get down and explore this uh, sinistry astrology wise, that yes, indeed, it has been a dating rule. It has been a dating rule since 2009. 
So it did, it broke out onto the scene in 2009. Unfortunately, it is here to stay, or fortunately, it is here to stay, depending on your viewpoint. As we will uncover in the episode, in this episode with the particular chart that I will be looking at, there's going to be um, some contradictory views, and that's to be expected when it comes down to this topic. Now, is it okay to have sex after the third date is usually the question that I know I have come up to a lot of the time when it comes down to dating and when it comes down to even even just theorizing uh, and conceptualizing this topic. And I know it's a question that many of us have when it comes down to dating and what's what's the norm, what's right, what's wrong. So... In order to kind of get into sex after the third date, I, um, again, uh, when I was approaching this topic, kind of like with many of my other topics, like, well, there's so many avenues in which I can kind of pursue this, but I decided to start off with where I heard the source. So where I heard this concept of sex after the third date or sex on the third date at that too, because that also exists as well. I heard this from pop culture, from the character of Bernadette on the show, The Big Bang Theory. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with The Big Bang Theory, quick synopsis. It's about four guys who are deemed as being nerds for their whole life, branded as being nerds their whole life. They're successful scientists, but... It's really, the sitcom is really a comedy as to how the four guys kind of interact socially, how they get around interacting with the different norms that are flying right at them in a late 20th to early 21st century, as well as it's their way of having to deal with the dating scene and how to date within 2007 to I think it was roughly like 2014 were the years in which uh, the, the the show had run and might have been just a little bit later though with their final episode but uh, absolutely hilarious but uh, one of the characters Howard Wallowitz I do have to give this guy some credit you know even though he came across as kind of a creepoid a couple of times in the first two seasons I do have to give him some credit in the regard that at least he's trying. Unlike where the other four guys are just kind of busy theorizing, conceptualizing, at least he's trying to date. And at least he's trying to kind of get out there and kind of understand dating rules and modern day rules in order to live them down. Um, unfortunately, there's just times where I just feel like he tries a little too hard and as I've said earlier, comes across as kind of creepy and sleazy and um, also kind of representative of how guys were really misinformed about dating and women back in the day. But anyway, coming back to my point of, you know, how this relates to Bernadette's comment about Bernadette's comment in season three of Big Bang Theory. So Howard ends up uh, dating Bernadette. And this is coming up to, again, the third date. Surprise, surprise there. And Bernadette pulls away from him. Of course, Wallowitz, uh, Howard Wallowitz ends up asking, oh, what, what's what's wrong? Is there something I'm doing wrong? And Bernadette's like, you know, Howard, let's get real. 
you know, it, this is the third date and we all know that sex comes either on the third date or after the third date. So you haven't really made a move. It just tells me that you're not interested. Bye. Sayonara. Now I'm going to tell you this much stargazers. When I first saw this episode, I was actually a little late in getting into big bang theory myself but I first saw this episode in 2013, and when I first heard Bernadette stating sex comes after three dates, I was absolutely, to say I was floored is an understatement, knowing that I have Venus in Virgo myself, um, my head just blew up entirely. I, I just was just astounded. It's like, what? What? What is this? Because I'm used to the traditional take it slow, yeah, go out on a date, take it slowly. Also, when I did see Big Bang Theory and I did see this episode, unfortunately, I had a catastrophe in relationships the year before. While here I was being encouraged to take it slow if I should ever date, um, here's this message coming up out of pop culture. And I, I it just... It, it threw me through a loop. I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. It still throws me through a loop um, to this day. So you'll kind of see a little bit of my viewpoints in this episode. But again, I am trying to keep an open mind as much as possible to explore this theory. But because Bernadette's comment written by Chuck Lorre, the show's creator, had really thrown me through the loop. I decided to, and it really had mentioned this concept, sex after the third date. I decided to take a look at not only the season in which this episode had aired, but also take a look at the chart. You know, the day, you know, basically when did it drop? Um, basically when did this, it kind of how I looked at it is like, when did this theory come from germination in society to actually coming through the birthing canal through Chuck Lorre and Big Bang Theory? And for all that we know, it could have been Chuck Lorre's idea in the first place, um, knowing that how the chart kind of read and what I, what I noticed within it. I always have to throw that one out there, knowing that I, how I've been a writer and an aspiring screenwriter, uh, as well, um, that sometimes writers do reflect not only what's in society, but also they can reflect their own their own viewpoints as well too. But anyway, the birth date for the third season of Big Bang Theory occurred on September twenty first, two thousand and nine. And the first thing that I really recognized when I saw the chart for September 21st, 2009, was that there were some contradictory situations going on when it came to the stars. The first contradiction for me was the cusping ascendant as well as the cusping planets. Like there's at least three big cusping planets in the chart as well as the ascendant. So what I mean by cusping is that basically either an aspect or a planet can't really make up its mind as to which sign it wants to be in. So it kind of sits in between two. And really a great example, well, we'll go ahead and dive right in. A great example with this would be the Ascendant in the Big Bang Theory chart, uh, Season 3, 
which is the ascendant technically is in Sagittarius. So already when we kind of get a first look at Big Bang season three, we have on first glimpse a very adventurous approach to the season. And again, with Chuck Lorre's writing, we have more of just a very, you know, let's let's have fun. Let's dive into new territory. Let's just kind of let's just kind of make a splash comedy wise and let's just make a splash as a sitcom. However, knowing that the Ascendant also was like right in between Sagittarius and Scorpio, which is kind of unusual for an Ascendant. Um, there were elements of Scorpio that also came into play as well, too. Such elements as being, uh, let's be edgy, let's be controversial. Also, um, you know, let's be edgy and controversial in order to get down to the truth. And of course, knowing Scorpio, sex is never off the table when it comes to Scorpio. Uh, I know many Scorpios kind of get a little sick and tired of hearing this, or they kind of get really, you know, kind of annoyed when hearing this, when they kind of think of, you know, when people think of them as being the sex sign. But sometimes there is that element in the um, archetype where Scorpio does really kind of attune or find really more of the profound meanings of life and the truth, sometimes through sex. Um, again, if we look at the eighth house, they're ruled what they rule in the chart in um, basically the astrological wheel that also encompasses uh, la petite mort or the French term for sex as being transformative as well too, um, to transform as well as to dig deep into theories as well too. But again, just, just for the sake, I would just say sex is not off the table, you know? And I think with Chuck Lorre, he was, he might've been inspired by this as well too for season three. Uh, so a lot of the other cusping planets on top of this was that, um, well, first off with September 21st, the sun's position is actually technically in Virgo, but on the Libra cusp. And what that translates to is that with the sun's position, knowing that the sun is usually our ego, our anchor, well, the sun's position can also determine the mood of that time as well to the primary mood of that time. So technically, while it's in Virgo, the sun that is, it's still, it was like 29, 20, I think like 28 degrees Virgo at the time which is basically two steps away from going into Libra. So, and usually what happens with cusping planets, like I said, again, they can embody the two elements of the two opposing signs that they're next to. And usually they are, the signs are usually opposing each other. So in this case, what was very striking to me was, you know, here's this very radical theory of sex comes after three dates. Very profound, very mind-blowing, really. But for me, with, with the sun in Virgo, even though Virgo can be very earthy and sensual, both literally and figuratively, when it comes to going to the sack and having sex, and while they can be very loving and very attentive and caring to their partners, what also struck me was that um, Virgos are usually the type to 
kind of follow social mores when it comes down to love and sex being the earth sign that they are. So to say, yeah, sex after three dates for many Virgos, that would be like, whoa, red flag. It's like, I don't, I don't know you after three dates. It's like, look, I love you, but I don't know you after three dates. And this is too soon. This is putting a lot of pressure on me. I, I don't know if I want to continue on with this. I don't know if I want to continue on with this relationship. So already right there, we already have a very conservative sign and already a sign that's also concerned about long-term relationships. So this theory really kind of flies against the grain of this sign that the sun's position is in. Also, what was very interesting was that, um, yes, it is a, the sun's sign was also within, or the sun was also a couple of degrees uh, next to Libra. So it does assume some of the character traits of Libra as well. Well, um, even though Libra is a masculine sign as opposed to where Virgo is a feminine sign, and there are some opposites between the two, both Virgo and Libra are remarkably similar to each other um, in the zodiac when it comes to their energy. And usually with Libra, I think where Libra would be very similar is that Libra likes to establish long-term partnerships, really very much like their ruler, the seventh house is really concerned with, you know, it's, it's not just casual flings and not just casual partners. You know, they might want to play the field. They might want to, you know, explore dating in order to find someone who's going to be with them for life. And here we are, we have this sex after three dates so it kind of contradicts the sun also being in Libra, um, where Libra might be willing to kind of go along with it in order to placate and make people happy and make matters harmonious. Libra's energy is not really quite very um, sound with this theory. It, it, it's not agreeable. Uh, for many Librans, they might usually go along with, when it comes to the date, they might go along with the date, they might go along sex after three dates, but they go along not really inwardly just disagreeing and inwardly just not liking it. Um, however, they just want to placate the other person in order to establish that they're, they are long-term partners or that they're there for their partners and really hoping, you know, maybe like while having sex on that third date, maybe crossing their fingers very tightly in hoping that that partner might stay with them um, in the long term. So again, this this uh, theory, sex after three dates, really goes against Libra as well, too. It's actually kind of sad to see when it's up against Libra, because Libra is like, eh, I can go along with it, but I'm not agreeing with it. And I'm sorry, just not, you know, having any sort of disagreement is kind of for me, that's kind of sad. I, I don't I don't always like to see that. Another cusping planet, which I normally don't see because um, Pluto to me is very final in its transits, but Pluto is does but definitely cusping in 2009. Uh, so Pluto was actually zero degrees Capricorn at that time. So what that meant? Pluto was literally between Capricorn and Sagittarius at that time. 
So really, it was very indecisive as to where it wanted to be. You know, it could have easily gone retrograde and gone back into Sagittarius. It could have been like one foot in Sagittarius. Or it could have decided to move on, be like one foot in Capricorn as well, too. So this was definitely um, a placement where Pluto was very indecisive for a change, which was kind of, like I said, for me as a astrology nerd, it was kind of interesting to see. But with Pluto at the time, of course, being that of power, um, basically of sexual attraction as well, too. Um, many sinistry astrologers that tend to take a look at Pluto, believe it or not, for the attraction value. Um, however, the unfortunate side of Pluto is that the attraction value can also be like the deadly attraction value. It can be attraction in order to gain power or control over the relationship. But anyway, when it came down to sex after the third date, well, Pluto being in Capricorn for for a change, while Pluto might be very agreeable because of the transformative aspect of the theory, it's like, hey, here's a new theory. Let's try it out. Let's see if it, it might transform relationships for the better. Um, the fact that it was right in rigid Capricorn um, I think really what my theory or my take of it was, it's like, you know, it's it, it, the theory kind of flies against Capricorn as well, too. And it kind of flies a little bit against Pluto because with Pluto, it's yes, let's transform, but let's also follow rigid step-by-step -step rules and norms of society. And sex after the third date is definitely not following societal norms of dating that would actually upset a Capricorn big time. And especially with um, Pluto, I mean, with Pluto inside Capricorn, it's like, how can we transform the structure possibly, or how can we transform the um, old norms of dating to where they could work better for us? But even then, um, it still assumes the rigid take of Capricorn. So again, here's this theory flying against another sign. However, with uh, Pluto being also a step away from Sagittarius, Sagittarius is very adventurous, uh, whether philosophically or also physically, you know, for adventure. So Sagittarius's take is, hey, sex on the third date, sign me up. I want to see what happens. I want to see if it, you know, if it's great for relationships. I don't care. I don't care, you know, one way or another what happens. Uh, sign me up. I'm, I'm game. And really with Pluto being in Sagittarius, there's also, you know, again, transformation when it comes to adventures and theories, like how to deepen the adventure, how to deepen the theories of Sagittarius, how to deepen the thinking of Sagittarius as well. So, what a better way than to get a controversial subject such as sex on the third date. So already right here, stargazers, um, despite the sun's position being in two uh, signs that are very much about romance, here we have one planet that's giving kind of a contradictory take on the theory as well as the season, the tone of the season. As if that's not enough, there's one other um, aspect as well, too, that actually had a con very contradictory tone. And that was Venus, and that was in zero degrees Virgo. So being in zero degrees Virgo, it was really literally in between Virgo 
and Leo. So um, as you guys have all heard, I do have Venus and Virgo myself, and I've related some of my experiences with it. But the biggest take with Venus and Virgo is take it slowly. You know, if you're going to date, go for a dinner and a movie, even though it might be old fashioned dinner and a movie, get to know each other, get to know each other thoroughly, take it step by step so that sex is like the best thing ever. So to have, ooh, sex on the third date, that's really, for somebody who has Venus and Virgo, I'm going to say this personally, that's overwhelming right there in a nutshell. And to have this in zero degrees Virgo and Big Bang Theory's chart, it's really, it was like, really, you, you're, you're really Chuck Lorre, you're really theorizing this now with Venus and Virgo. That's interesting, you know, in a sign, you know, basically where Venus is in a sign, that's like, whoa, heed to caution. However, um, again, being a cosmic planet, there was also Venus and Leo, and we have to take into account. So Venus and Leo, on the other hand, when you tell them sex on the third date, well, Leo's more concerned about loyalty, about getting the spotlight, and also making sure that they can share the spotlight with their partner, as well as share the love. I mean, their heart is literally, well, I don't want to say it's literally, but their heart is on their sleeve. And they want to make sure that they can share their limelight with their partner. So really when it comes down to it, when it comes down to sex for Leo and love for Leo, they want to make sure that they get into it for loyalty between two partners. And so when you say sex on the third date, they might be like, okay, yeah, I can try it. But I just really hope my partner values me at the end of the lovemaking session but also I, I hope my partner sticks around. I, I get lonely when I'm alone or I get lonely when somebody leaves me. But, you know, all the way around, I'm still game. So, you know, again, with uh, with Leo being in or Venus also being in that Leo cusping range, there might be some acceptance with this theory. But again, another contradictory vibe that um, was produced in the stars when Big Bang season three had hit. And again, in 2009. So with this contradictory element here, what I kind of really felt was, I feel like with this theory being birthed in 2009 with season three, I feel that this is probably why this statement, sex after three dates, and people arguing as to whether three dates is adequate time enough for two people to know each other. It, that I feel like this is why it draws so many different vehement viewpoints. And I also feel like it's the sort of statement where even if you really agree, like you wholeheartedly agree, you're on board with this and you're ready to, you've been ready since 2009 to see sex in action after the third date and you're like thrilled and refreshed by this theory, um, you still might feel like there's at least 50 disagreements to contend with. It's the same when you are maybe like me, where you kind of vehemently disagree or you might like mildly disagree. There's still like 50 viewpoints in the agreement, uh, you know, been to also contend with. And really, I feel that this, these contradictory planets or that these cusping planets really brought about the 
the double-edged sword, so to speak, with this theory, um, that there's really, you know, it's really very, it kind of opposes itself at times. You know, it's meant to be loving, but by the same token, meant to be adventurous and meant to push the envelope as well, too. Um, whether or not it really works, that's, that's where the huge question lies, in my view. Another contradictory aspect uh, did not come in the form of an, a cusping planet. Actually, this was one planet that really was dead set in a actual sign. And that was with our sex planet, Mars. So with our sex planet, Mars, it was actually in Cancer at the time. So with Mars being in Cancer at that time, I feel like, again, this theory, again, it kind of goes against the sign that the sex planet is within mainly because, uh, you know, Mars and cancer is usually somebody, it might be very aloof and reserved when it comes to their emotional feelings and really reserved when it comes to sex, but deep down inside in their heart, this is an individual who wants to, when they are having sex with somebody they want to appreciate that person and really bond with them on a deep emotional level. And this is also somebody who will nurture the person in bed and really make that individual, make their partner feel like the most special person in the whole wide world. And even if they might miss the mark, that's their aim. That's their goal. So already when we get this, you know, this theory of sex on the third date, woohoo, that's where, you know, again, Mars in Cancer kind of feels like it's a pose because it's like, ooh, third date, I'm, you know, by the third date, I'm still trying to bond emotionally with this individual. I'm trying to find a deeper connection with this individual so that sex is magical, uh, when we, when we get to it and, you know, I feel like sex on the third date, that's, that's rather rushed. So again, um, this is where this theory kind of, again, contradicts as if the, as if the contradictory nature of the signs wasn't enough, Mars had to try and Uranus that year as well. So what that really means is that this theory was obviously born from a very Uranus you know, strong Uranus placement in the chart. I don't know if I, I don't know if I'd say it's a strong Uranus placement, but but definitely born of Uranus. It's definitely the energy formed from the energy of Uranus because Uranus is all about, you know, really thinking outside the box. Even if it's con even if it's controversial, it's really ruffling some feathers. Really, really thinking outside the box, big time, and really uncovering very enlightening or what could be potentially enlightening theories. But Mars has to go on and encourage Uranus here with this very, very uh, radical new idea of sex after the third date. And it's giving Uranus a lot of room and a lot of stamina to really build up this theory. And this theory that's usually, because Uranus is also considered to be high mercury, it's um, definitely a it's definitely a head centered idea is what's really indicated here. 
I actually added with trined Uranus, you know, so Mars trined Uranus at that time, I had actually added in my own personal notes that maybe people in 2009 and maybe many individuals now might feel that closeness and intimacy are really not available in the traditional norms of relationships. And so I feel like this theory was born from people craving this closeness. Now, again, whether this theory was from Chuck Lorre's mind or whether this was actually going on in society or a little of both worlds, I kind of felt like maybe even Chuck Lorre was really wanting emotional intimacy or wanting to see the young kids out there become more emotionally intimate with each other. And also seeing that maybe it was a huge struggle at that time and also still continues to be so knowing that this is a, this is a social norm now that this is a dating norm. So while I covered the contradictory planets, there were also some things that kind of some um, elements of this chart that also made sense when it came to this theory. So when we birth, when we see the birth of this theory, we also see that the moon, the emotional climate at that time was in Scorpio. And as I mentioned, Scorpio's archetype is really concerned with digging into the truth. And, you know, honestly, again, they're not afraid, to, you know, the archetype of Scorpio, Scorpio is not afraid to dive into sex. So when it comes down to, hey, sex on the third date, woohoo, that's where Scorpio's like, hey, I'm in. You know, the emotional backdrop is fly against cultural norms, the cultural norms that were set for dates at that time, and see the truth of what everybody really wants. And I could just see somebody with a moon Scorpio saying, yeah, it's about time because we all know that we really crave going into the sack. We all crave getting, you know, getting that first test drive and we never really, we never really get to it from the traditional norms of, of dating here. So again, yeah, embracing sex and its variations. And again, the attitude is, hey, why not? You know, at least we're getting what we want in the long term, you know, which is that test drive. The other things that kind of made sense was that Venus and the moon were actually promoting each other with a sextile. So they were in an easy aspect to each other. Normally, uh, moon sextile Venus is, this person is really amorous inwardly and they're very romantically inclined and especially with moon and scorpio even though this person might have a very gruff exterior or might seem like they're very gruff on the outside they're actually softies on the inside they're they're really suckers for romance on the inside but um especially when this theory came along with sex on the third date really with scorpio being like hey everybody wants sex anyway come on let's bring it on you know, Venus was also, even though Venus was a little reticent and, you know, being in Virgo was kind of reticent and saying, whoa, this is way too fast. I think Scorpio, Moon Scorpio was kind of coaxing for the Venus and Libra. It's like, look, it, it'll still be romantic. Or it's like, it'll still be romantic and also really deep. But I promise on the romance. I really promise that it'll be romantic. And again, I think that there was... A promise in everybody, both in 2009 and also even now, there's that promise within this theory of 
it might be romantic. You know, there might be some romance and it might be some sparks will actually fly and really kindle the relationship and make it blossom and really make it grow. Also the sun, Mercury and Saturn. So Mercury and Saturn were actually conjunct the sun at the time. Usually when we have Mercury conjunct the sun, it's usually everything that is in thought form, everything in speaking form is all game. You know, basically it's, it's encouraged. However, to have Saturn in that mix, again, Mercury is kind of stifled by Saturn, which I think was also a little contradictory as well, too, with the theory. Um, however, that contradiction flies out the window in the regard that all these three planets, the Sun, Mercury, and Saturn, are actually in opposition to Uranus. So what's going on here with Uranus and Mercury, even though they're in an opposition, um, you have a very controversial thought form met with just a thought form in general. And we see where the, you know, the thought form could build, but again, it's, it's kind of tense. It's like this, this thought form, it's kind of intense um, while it's breaking the mold and everything. It's kind of not agreeing with each other. There's a tug of war going on. And I think that tug of war is coming with Saturn, you know, um, or it comes up with Saturn as well too. Um, Saturn is kind of restrictive in the regard of, hey, watch out for this theory. Watch out. That's not too controversial. Hey, you know, getting a little too controversial here. Why don't we focus on societal norms, what society wants us to do when it comes to dating? So the one thing that I first thought of when I saw this aspect was Chuck Lorre must have gotten a lot of flack when Bernadette dropped this theory. Um, when it came to sex after the third date. For those who are like me and having a lot of trouble embracing it, he probably got a lot of like angry letters about this theory. Also, when it comes to this theory, I wouldn't be surprised if many couples, um, both at the time as well as now, when they try sex after the third date, um, you know, it's so, it's such a cerebral theory. Um, definitely it's indic indicative in this chart. That's a cerebral theory with the cerebral theory. Uh, sometimes when you put it into action, it can surprise you and work. Other times it's better left up to theory. And I think sex after the third date, from what I've actually heard from differing articles about it, that it's best left up to theory and, you know, kind of not left up to actually being, a dating norm. I think that's one one debate and one side of the debate of should we have sex after the third date? You know, for many couples, I wouldn't be surprised if the ghosting and you know the, the propensity to ghost their partners or the propensity to not continue on is basically due to the fact that Things get a little too weird too soon. Honestly, knowing that I've had a really rough time with sex myself, um, I had a really rough go of it in 2012. Uh, let's just say I met a complete psychopath who is also a rapist. 
Um, I felt like this theory might have promoted a bunch of sex offenders to come out of the woodwork as well, because sex offenders, the first thing that they like to do is get sex out there and get sex going right then, right there. So I feel like that's another danger with this opposition is that, you know, especially with the erraticness or the erratic energy of Uranus, you know, within the, within the years with this theory or within the years of sex after a third date, if it's really brought out a lot of not so great people, um, you know, like I said, like sex offenders or possible psychopaths who kind of bank on this idea and really prey on very innocent people on top of it as well. For me, with my Venus and Virgo, that's one thing I'm also worried about. That kind of puts up a red flag, another red flag for me is like, Oh, what about people who aren't so like are kind of criminally minded, you know, what, 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 what do we do there? So kind of in to sum it up. And then of course, um, I, I also, one last thing before I sum it up, there was Venus opposition, Neptune in Aquarius. So I also see this as, um, definitely this theory was definitely led by a dreamy ideal. You know, the ideal of maybe sex after the third date, we can speed date the date along or speed sex the date along and maybe sex can rekindle the relationship. And unfortunately, with ideals, when we put them out into reality, they don't always pan out very well as we had hoped. So again, uh, when it comes down to sex after the third date and what we're gleaning from when it comes to this chart... Again, um, like as I mentioned, very cerebral idea and also very contradictory idea, but also I think really born of, I think it really the idea was born from the need for kindling and sparking a lot of intrigue into relationships and needing that emotional connection. Um, the unfortunate situation is that it's very impulsive as indicated by Uranus and very hasty as well too. So um, I think it really, you know, when it comes to my conclusion with it, I think it really depends, you know, whether we should have sex on the third, after the third date, you know, it depends on the type of person. It depends on the type of relationship that we're kind of dealing with here. I added a couple of extra cautions um, in here of what I also see as an astrology nerd. So when we're dating, and especially with the first date, we do utilize the 11th house, which again, as we had explored in the 11th house episode, that it's all about being, you know, finding a companionship, being friendly, seeing if we get along. The thing about having sex on a third date is that it's basically the equivalent of taking our 11th house energy and then either chucking it to the fifth house or chucking it to the eighth house, which are the two houses for sex as well, too. And when it comes down to it with the fifth house, I mean, you can rekindle fire, you can kindle passion. Also, the fifth house is literally the baby making house. Um, it deals with children and um, creating, like literally creating, making babies as well, too. 
which is all nice and well, but, and it seems all nice and romantic, but again, you got to understand that with the 11th house, that's actually opposition. It's opposed to the fifth house. So really when it comes down to sex with the fifth house, while you're rekindling, you know, lots of passion, it's kind of at a tug of war with the concept of getting to know each other. Sex really is kind of at a tug of war of, wait a minute, we're getting to know each other, but then we're getting really intimate really fast. And, you know, where do we lie? I also think that with the passion aspect or kindling the passion, it's really putting extra pressure on the relationship as well, too. So you kind of start off a date with extra. I, I feel like this theory could the con of this theory sometimes is that it can put a little extra pressure on the date and put a little extra pressure on the dating scene as if the dating scene's not already intimidating enough. Um, the other aspect um, that we also can lead within is, again, trying to transform the relationship by moving towards the eighth house. So again, the eighth house is representative of transformation, using sex as kind of to transform, transcends our mind, and also transcend the relationship to a higher level. Well, the unfortunate situation with that, again, added pressure, except the added pressure comes personally in the relationship of, well, what if I don't spice up the relationship? Or what if my sex skills are rusty? Or what if I feel like I'm being a great sexual partner, but my partner thinks otherwise? This could be disastrous. And so, again, it puts a little extra pressure of, gee, would I be interesting enough? And again, I think it would lead to a lot of um, also harsh self-criticism. And when going into that first date and Honestly, stargazers, dating is already intimidating and already critical enough. I don't think that we need to add an extra layer of criticism with sex on the third date. However, um, being open-minded, I do want to uh, point out some of the pros. So some of the pros within um, this, you know, within sex after the third date is that Within the chart uh, for when this theory had birthed, which was with Big Bang Theory Season 3, I really kind of feel that, well, not I don't feel, but with Mars and Venus in the chart, they actually were also well aligned with each other. They're actually sextiled each other. So again, um, I feel like the theory came from, you know, kind of like where the sex planets are. Even some of the plants that are in like contradiction that are cusping, they're at least in the right place. It's like, it seems like there's a lot of good, good heart, like there's a good heart behind it. It's just, there might be some misguidance with it is what is my only um, real head scratcher with it. But, you know, with Mars and Venus being sextiled each other, there's definitely a great balance between uh, love and doing the dirty deed. You know, I don't want to say doing the dirty deed, sorry, but having sex. So, you know, again, it's, it's in at least in a harmony or it's in an environment of love and mutual respect. And, you know, perhaps a lot of people came to it with love and mutual respect, not only to become more intimate and spice up the relationship with each other, but I think, you know, 
another pro would be that it adds it adds a little bit extra for those who have different ways of approaching the stages of dating as well too particularly with sex there are some people who like to have sex right off the bat and so here's a theory that adapts to that as well too but also it has that potential the theory can have the potential for two people really deepening their connection again and again knowing how sex goes depending on the sex if it's really great sex in that regard it also has caused people to be a little more picky and um, I don't want to say picky actually more particular when it comes to dates which I think is a good thing I think we all need to be a little more maybe discerning in particular when it comes to dates um, and many people tend to kind of make their judgments now on the first date as to whether or not to proceed and I think that that, that might be a great function of sex after the third date um, which is you know hey I don't want to waste any energy. I don't want to waste any more effort. I want to know right off the bat if you're the right person. And so it kind of, it's helped people to become a little more discerning. And then again, um, many people, like I was alluding to earlier, many people have different, they have different standards of ways to approach relationship and ways to approach sex as well too. Um, what two people that come to mind are from, so you'll have to forgive me, stargazers. I do, I am kind of a Bravo addict, but, uh, two of the housewives shows really stood out for me. And that was the housewives of OC. So Heather and, uh, Terry DeBro's relationship and how it formed, but also, um, the housewives of New York city. And I don't know if you guys remember, but back in season one where Alex, was still in the season. Um, the reason why I point these two individuals out is that there are individuals that like to just have, well, like Alex, she just wanted a one night stand with her husband and her husband wanted the same thing. You know, actually I, I wouldn't be surprised if her husband just kind of was like, Oh, you want a one night stand? Okay. I'll follow along with that. But uh, what ended up happening was that, you know, she just wanted, she was just so tired of dating. She just wanted the one night stand. She just wanted to get it all over with, all done with. That was kind of just where her sexual personality happened to be. And luckily she met somebody who had the same chemistry as she did. Because what ended up happening was further down the line, they started to, you know, that one night stand start to become more of a, it started to kindle into more of a relationship and uh, it was a relationship where they were both very um, embracing of their sexual natures as well too. With Heather Debro, Heather and Terry Debro, um, I think there, I think Heather had alluded to this. I know that they had had a first blind date together. I think that they had also had the sex after the first date as well too. And it worked out for them. You know, at first Terry didn't want to see Heather again because it was so great, but they started to see each other more and more. And what was very impulsive and very fast developed into a relationship. So um, there are types and I kind of, I wouldn't be surprised if many types who kind of get sex right out of the way um, either have 
Mars or Venus in a fire sign because fire signs are very fast and very fast moving. It's like, get don't, don't stand in their way. They're, they're raring to go. And I mean, this is for Aries, Leo and Sagittarius as well. So, I mean, and that's absolutely fine. Um, as I've said before in other episodes, Venus and Mars have 12 different myriad of positions and there's no right or wrong way to express yourself sexually. And there's no right or wrong way to be feminine or masculine um, in the relationship as well, too. So somebody's really fast and really quick. This is a great theory. You know, this theory of sex after the third date would really support them and not make this person feel as though they're defective or at fault, which, you know, in truth, like I said, they're really not, but it kind of helps to support their, their viewpoints and kind of helps to support them as well, too. So kind of boiling down to what we have learned, stargazers. So hopefully, like I said, again, this was very informative and hopefully not too much information was imparted too soon. But uh, when it comes to what we have learned, so with the contradictory uh, opinions on the subject, I mean, as with the aspects, there's always a contradictory opinions on the subject. So like I said, whether you agree or disagree, you're always contending with at least 50 tidbits of, okay, I have to see the other side. This is definitely a theory. Like I'd like to say it's, it's a theory made into a dating norm. But with sex after the third dates, it's like we're always contending with ourselves. You know, even, you know, wh wherever we stand in this circle, we're always contending with ourselves. And, you know, that's to be expected. That's normal because it's a very radical, radical idea. In fact, I was shocked that Chuck Lorre was even able to make this idea on Big Bang Theory. You know, even though Big Bang Theory aired at 8 p.m. Usually I was surprised and shocked that he was able to drop that as well, too, via Bernadette's lips. But what we also have learned is that whether or not this theory abides, everybody has a different, you know, every relationship is different and everybody has a different vibe. I would just say when it comes down, because now sex after three dates has become a social norm, whether we like it or not, it's become a social norm. So with that said, what I would usually just recommend is that when you are, I would say probably on the second date, make sure to have a little chat with your partner about how they see sex after the third date. You know, if they agree with it, if they might disagree with it and, you know, that you guys might be in harmony with that, or if the two of you have differing views on the subject. If you have differing views, that might be a good time to compromise so that it doesn't get weird down the line, so to speak, or maybe find a way to compromise to where you can, if you like each other, especially where you can both kind of cater to each other. Like maybe um, if somebody is really fast, they want to get sex out of the way, maybe not the third and you have somebody who's like me, who's very slow, maybe like sex after the seventh date as opposed to the third date, you know, kind of give it some extra time, give it some extra wiggle room and kind of wait and see, you know, and see how each partner agrees to that. 
But, you know, I would just say definitely make compromises wherever necessary. Definitely have a chat and see where the two of you stand when it comes to sex after three dates. You know, if it's if it's a pressure cooker sort of situation and how to alleviate the pressure or um, if it's just a situation that might daunt somebody from a relationship or that might be rather, you know, might be rather invigorating as well, too. I feel like when you have a chat, it kind of takes the pressure out of it and it kind of takes the, I don't know about you, but it's kind of, it's overwhelming almost. So it might take the overwhelming aspect out of the equation as well, too. I also just say with this theory, you know, so kind of answering the question from the beginning, should we have sex after three dates? Well, you know, again, it's not hard. It's not, it's not as easy to say either a yes or a no on this one. Um, actually, I, I find, you know, what I was going to say is that it's actually really quite hard to determine because again, we have the contradictory aspects in the chart. Um, for when this had birthed and with the contradictory aspects, like, well, it could work, but then it couldn't work. And maybe it's a good idea. Maybe it's not a good idea. So what I would just always say is whether you are pro sex after three dates and you feel like three dates are more than enough, it's more than enough time. Go for, I would just say, go ahead, go for it. What I always advocate though, stargazers, more than anything, make sure that both you and your partner are in consent, you know, that you both consent and that you both are okay with doing this. And also just say, discuss if things get weird, have that discussion, you know, because again, things might in essence get a little weird when it, because it's so it's so expedient. It's so soon, really. And then for those of you who are like me, like say you might have Venus or Mars in a water sign or in an earth sign where, you know, you want to bond intimately, you want to bond emotionally, you really want to bond or you really want to kind of have a good strengthening relationship, a good foundation, you know, stargazers, there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. And don't let any partner or any individual, don't let somebody who has Venus or Mars in a fire sign tell you otherwise. Because nine times out of ten, if they're trying to shame you into sex, that's not a really great relationship right there. And they're trying to pressure you into sex because they want it and they want it now. That's not a good relationship right there. You know, um, to be honest with you, if you're like me and you want to take it slowly, there's nothing wrong with that. Don't let a sitcom, don't let popular culture, don't let society tell you otherwise. There's really seriously, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with waiting. You know, in my view, like I said, because I've had a very turbulent um, sexual history myself, for me, the more that I wait and the more that I get to know somebody, the more that I know that I'm in safe hands. That's how, that's how I look at it at least too. It also doesn't help that I'm a, you know, an Enneagram speak, I'm an Enneagram type six, but 
you know, I, I really feel that if you need the safety and you need the safety net more than anything, you need a foundation, you know, it's better to have that foundation than to have sex when you're not really, your heart's not in it, you know, and um, I don't, I don't just speak to those who have Venus or Mars in a water earth sign. I also speak to those who might have one of these planets and like, say, maybe Libra for a chance, right? have that in Libra as well, where with Libra, it's all about long-term relationships. If you really want a long-term relationship, take it slowly. Definitely. And absolutely, there's nothing wrong with that. I think that that's, you know, I think that that's healthy. It's healthy to maybe wait until maybe the 33rd date, or maybe wait until you kind of know who you're dealing with. Or, you know, if you also are all for, you know, waiting until marriage, even though a lot of people say that that's so old fashioned that they can't even stand it. You know what? I'm sorry, but there's, there's no shame in that. There's no shame in waiting until marriage. That's absolutely fine. What I always just say is do you do what is best for you. Follow your heart, follow your, your compass as to where you feel you need to go particularly when that third date comes around. But I always just say, make sure to have that discussion. If, you do, if it feels too intimidating on the first date, at least on the second date, have that discussion about how do you feel about sex on the third date? It, if nothing else, it'll spice up the conversation. And if nothing else, it'll show you where that other person stands. And I feel like that's more important. That's very important when it comes down to getting intimate with somebody. Well, Stargazers, I really hope that this was a fun-filled, very interesting episode. Uh, again, I hope it wasn't too explicit. Um, definitely, if you have questions for me, feel free to contact me at my email address at misek, M-I-S-E-K, dot Sandra at gmail.com. Or also on my Instagram page at Sandra dot Misek, and again, that's M-I-S-E-K. Also, Stargazers, if you are wondering what your synastry chart looks like between you and your hubby or you and a family member or even you and a co-worker as well, too, definitely visit my Patreon page. Become a member. You can become a member as little as $5 a month. But with that service that I'm mentioning, I will provide you with your synastry chart as well as a booklet as to what it means. And I'm, I'm providing the service for absolutely free, where normally it would cost at least $125 at a metaphysical shop. You're getting this absolutely for free. And I say, Stargazers, it's an absolute joy to be able to provide that service to you guys. But yeah, definitely go on to patreon.com, become a member. And, you know, again, becoming a member, you'll support me, yours truly, as well as the content on my podcast, and also just keeping the lights on around here, which is always, that's always important as well. But above all stargazers, make sure to look up at the stars. I think the moon is actually waning at this time. But, you know, whether you like to see different planets or whether you just like to look up at the stars, you get to see our origins of where astrology really first began. And above all, stargazers, I emphasize this more than anything. Be well, be in great spirits, 
And, you know, because there's a little bit of a hostile vibe going on, be peaceful, be kind to each other. And between now and next week, be well, and I will see you then.